Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today we're going to be talking about occupational licensing, reform, and how it relates to COVID-19. Joining me to discuss that, we have three distinguished guests. First, Shoshana Weissman is the Digital Media Manager at R Street. Shoshana, thank you so much for calling into our virtual podcast here. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. In her role at R Street, as she manages all of their digital media, she's actually also their occupational licensing expert. Also joining us is Representative Derek Greyer from Missouri. He represents District 100 out there in St. Louis County. Representative Greyer, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Great to be here with you. Thank you. And also, for everything on occupational licensing here at ALEC, we have our ALEC Director of the Commerce, Insurance, and Economic Development Task Force, Michael Slabinski. Thank you so much for calling in and for getting all these great thinkers together for this podcast. How's it going? Going pretty well. So, To kick things off, um, for some of our listeners, there's probably only a fraction of them who don't know what actually occupational licensing is. But for those that don't know, can you give a brief explainer, uh, maybe Shoshana or Representative Greyer, you want to take this one, you know, what is an occupational licensing or maybe even what is it trying to do? Sure. I'll jump in um, and talk about the basics. So there's licenses for all kinds of jobs from florists like in Louisiana to hair braiders to doctors. So all across the economy, you have licenses for all kinds of professions. Um, so in a lot of cases, people say, well, this protects consumers, it protects health and safety, make sure that there's a minimum uh, standard. And in some cases, it works like for doctors and nurses. But in a lot of cases, it doesn't really protect anyone and it just keeps people out of the industry. Like that's why Louisiana is the only state to license florists, which means that uh, you can't be a florist in Louisiana without a government license. And years ago, there was a, when when they had a, a longer exam that had a floral arrangement part, their pass rate was lower than the Louisiana bar exam's pass rate. So, you know, of course we want our doctors to be licensed and, and we want to be protected there, but um, we always have to weigh it um, with the risks and the benefits um, especially because that's how you end up with only one state licensing floors to no benefit. Representative Greyer, how do you see this play out in the state legislature? Uh, what sort of problems are there with occupational licensure? And, you know, what sort of barriers does it present? Well, a lot of barriers it presents, and it can present a lot of challenges. Like Shoshana said, in some instances, the purpose of a license is to protect the health, safety, and well-being of the public. And in some cases, it does that to good effect, doctors and nurses being a good example. But in a lot of other examples, uh, it's not the case. And what we've seen happen over the last two or three decades is we have gone from one in every, like, 20 jobs having the requirement of an occupational license to now one in every four jobs out there requires permission from the government to work. And that creates a lot of challenges because people that want to work, that want to plug into our workforce, they have to go to the, through the government first to get permission. And a lot of times the industries that are uh, in charge of the boards, uh, it's, it's the people that are already established as practitioners, perhaps. And, you know, their motivation may be to create a barrier to entry, to make it more challenging for competition to come into the state. Um, and, you know, as a free market a uh, person as someone who believes in free markets and capitalism, um, I just I, find I have a real problem with that because there are a lot of small businesses out there that are struggling to find skilled workers. As I travel around Missouri, 
Um, there, every business I talk to, it seems like, has the same problem. And that problem is that they don't have enough workers to fill the jobs. We've got the jobs. We can't find the workers. So when we're thinking about how can we as a state encourage people to come to Missouri and to practice in Missouri and fill those jobs, well, we've got to break down some of those barriers that are artificial and aren't doing any good. They're not protecting the safety, health, and well-being of the public. They're just making it hard for people to get to work. So, Mike, you very much have this expansive view on, you know, all across the states when it comes to occupational licensing. And you and Shoshana are experts at, you know, pointing out, oh, that was a great move and, oh, great job here and good job with, you know, reforming it in here in Utah and over there. And um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the COVID-19 response as it relates to occupational licensing? What has there been? Well, one of the popular things going on on in the state is occupational licensing recognition. And what that means is occupational licenses create a barrier for entry for a different job, but it not only puts a barrier to entry for uh, a worker in a given state, but also if that worker wants to move from Missouri to Kansas or Kansas to Missouri. So what an occupational licensing recognition does is it says, if you are a worker in another state and you move to the state that passes licensing recognition, will recognize your license from another state that has a similar scope of practice as the state that you're moving to. So if you're a barber in Washington state and you move to Missouri, um, as long as a, a barber in Washington state means cutting hair, just like it means in Missouri, and you've had that license for a year or, any, or a specific amount of time, we'll recognize that license and the process to get re-licensed or to recognize that license in Missouri will be quick and easy. Sharshana, what sort of, you know, occupational licensing COVID-19 responses are you using? Um, and Representative Greyer, also, I'd love for you to, to jump in, uh, you know, on the ground there from the state perspective in Missouri. I think it's really important for our listeners. So um, I've seen so many, um, some that I've been really surprised about. One of the wildest examples is both New York and New Jersey, and maybe by now even more states, have allowed doctors who are immigrants and hadn't already become licensed here to practice. Um, that's been a big fight for a while that it's been difficult to become involved with, considering that in many cases, doctors can't even work across state lines within the U.S. So that one was a pretty big one. But um, there's also expanding nurse scope of practice, where a lot of states allow nurses to practice on their own, to prescribe basic medications, just basic things that they should be allowed to do on their own. And it provides really good health outcomes and access to care. Now, a lot of states that didn't have that already um, were providing executive orders allowing that. Same for allowing pharmacists a little more ability to prescribe ongoing medications so people can get their refills. And there's been quite a bit of that, which has been surprising because, you know, any licensing reform ends up being somewhat controversial. You get people screaming health and safety, even if it's not about that. And it's understandable that people might be a bit shy when it comes to doctors and nurses, you know, um, even though there's evidence to back up reforms like this, um, I can understand some hesitancy, but um, there's been none during this time, especially in states that have had a lot of cases of coronavirus. They've understood that they need doctors and medical professionals from other states, um, medical professionals who are retired um, to be able to work. And um, implementing reforms like those has been a, a dream. And um, um, it's, it's unfortunate it had to happen now. But I'm hoping that going forward, a lot of these reforms stay once they're able to go through the legislature, not through the current executive order process. 
but there's been all kinds, mostly with the medical profession though. Great. Yeah. That's, that's really, I'll jump in there. Please. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add on to that, what we're seeing in Missouri and Shoshani, you hit it. It's, I mean, what we're seeing happening in occupational licensing reform is really a reformer's dream. And we've been fighting for this for years and years and trying to make the argument for why these getting rid of these regulations is so important and why it makes sense. And now we're seeing it on a broad scale where governors across the entire country are issuing executive orders doing exactly what we have been fighting for for years because they recognize the need for it and because it's so clear that the arguments against making it more uh, accessible, making these jobs so it's easier for workforce mobility, they really hold no weight, the arguments against them. And so in Missouri, I have to give a little bit of a shout out to our governor because he's doing a tremendous job identifying specific professions that would benefit by greater license recognition. And I've got the list in front of you here. I'll just rattle off a couple of these, you know, physicians and surgeons, full license recognition. As long as they're licensed in another state, they can come to Missouri and practice. Behavior analysts, assistant behavior analysts, psychologists, all of them have full license reciprocity and and recognition now. Teachers, uh, one of the more surprising ones, the teacher certification, barriers to entry have been removed there. Telemedicine, Online notaries, another one that isn't discussed a whole lot, but it can be very challenging right now to find a notary. You can't go to a bank and get things notarized. So all of a sudden, this is being pushed and recognized as, as important uh, to be able to allow people to, to do online and remote notarization. Um, online and remote pharmacy, same thing there. And the Missouri Board of Nursing, there have been executive orders um, lessening some of the regulations there, allowing for temporary permits to be extended uh, for longer periods of time. And even people that have not had the opportunity to test and pass their test to get the license, if they've gone through the schooling, we're allowing them to start practicing right away on a temporary license because they can't go and take the test in person. All the testing locations are closed, right? So it almost makes one wonder, well, maybe we should have been doing some of this stuff already. And I think that's what we're going to see. It's my hope that some of these executive orders get made into law and they stay in place because they really are so essential to our workforce. Uh, and we're seeing it in a crisis. Like you said, Shoshana, it's unfortunate that this kind of circumstance has brought this to the surface. But at the same time, I'm very grateful that people are recognizing the merits of this legislation and the merits of um, forcing some of this uh, reform. So I do think that's a really important point to nail down with our listeners. I, and I'm hoping that we can actually clarify it a little bit because with all of these executive orders, what they mean is that they might not last forever. I mean, the ex- the executive themselves, either this governor or the next governor, could overturn an executive order. That's how simple it is. So is there a change in in messaging? Is there a change in framing? What can we do as interested people in the policy, who are many of our uh, listeners, what can we do as state legislators, which are many of our listeners, to double down on some of the licensing reform successes that we're seeing come out of many governor's offices? So on my end, using a lot of these examples, showing that these reforms have helped access to health care and other access in general, like Representative Breyer was saying with um, 
with online notaries. Um, I've actually used one in the past. I didn't realize that it wasn't everywhere until recently. Um, <laughs> or, or allowing more online DMV activity, um, as has happened in Colorado, among other states. I think we just have to show um, politicians um, and anyone who has a stake in this that it's really important, that it can help. I know a lot of people become interested in licensing reform after realizing, wait, doctors couldn't practice across state lines. Um, nurses couldn't help me out or talk to me over telemedicine for what reason? I think a lot of people are really starting to understand the problems. So with advocacy, it's always important just to share these facts with friends and family and, and influencers too. Um, and to praise people who are trying to make change. Um, there's a reason Representative Breyer is one of my favorites. He really cares about this stuff and he, he understands it and he understood it before this all happened. And um, I know he's looking to use this as an opportunity to make sure that people can continue to have access to care. Even before all of this happened, he had a great piece of legislation to open up reciprocity for licenses. And I think that time has, you know, not even much time, but time has shown that it's a really good idea and should happen. So making sure to praise good representatives and for people in office, just um, showing, hey, we have this executive order or even this other state did, and it helped in this way. We have to see if, if this is right for our state. Um, this might be the next move for us. So, Mike, in the Commerce, Insurance and Economic Development Task Force, you convene folks like Representative Greyer and uh, policy experts like Shoshana here from our street, you know, there are some other great organizations working on uh, occupational licensing reform, Institute for Justice, Goldwater come to mind. What sort of other elements, maybe even ALEC model policies, should policymakers and other uh, policy experts be thinking about during what is kind of looking like a watershed moment for occupational licensing reform? Last year, on the heels of Arizona passing the first of its kind occupational licensing recognition bill, um, the CIED task force passed a model policy called the Model Interstate Mobility and Universal Recognition Occupational Licensing Act. And what that does is it allows the state to um, unilaterally recognize licenses from other states. Um, and when you look at the ALEC model policy, um, it sets forth uh, best practices that were voted on by the task force members. So it takes an input from all across the states and among all of our members to try to develop um, one of the most important principles for having a good recognition policy. So some of the things like that come to mind are um, not having residency requirements. So a good recognition po policy should apply to all people, people that live in a state and people that might live one mile across the state lines that would like to work in the state that they live in, but also the state that is a five-minute drive away from them. Um, so looking at our model policy, which is posted on our website at alc.org, um, you can read through the model policy and feel free to contact me as well to figure out what are the most important parts of having a good licensing reform policy, um, especially when it applies to licensing recognition. We'll be sure to link to all those model policies that uh, Michael just mentioned in the show notes. So if you're interested, uh, be sure to check that out. It does bring us to a little bit of the end of our podcast here. I do want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity for their final say, as I like to say. Our podcast, uh, most of our listeners are either state policy wonks, uh, people who are just interested in state policy in general, or state legislators themselves. So You've got your state audience, Shoshana, Representative Greyer, and Mike. What would you guys want as the one thing, if someone took home only one thing from this discussion, what would you want to make sure that they remembered? 
So on my end, um, I think one thing that I've been thinking about a lot more lately is that we have to remember that regulations and licensing, all kinds of regulations, have costs. Too often they're implemented um, by people who think, oh, this is a nice thing, this will help. But even if a regulation does more good than harm, it always does some level of harm by excluding people from, from being able to become a professional. So I think people just need to think through regulations more and not to say that there shouldn't be any, but that the there has to be more of an equation besides this is a nice thing. As we've seen, a lot of these regulations have reduced access to care and reforming them has increased access to care. So we need more we need more thoughtful approaches to regulation and more legislators, governors, and other elected officials who understand that. So that's just one thing that I, I'd suggest, just questioning regulations a little bit more. My message for anyone listening to this, especially as a state legislator, is that the the needle is moving and progress is being made. The camel's nose is already under the tent. And we've seen states like Arizona pass license recognition and reciprocity. And other states are considering this. And Missouri in particular, we are very, very close to passing the most broad reform of license recognition and reciprocity in the entire country. And with the new executive orders across the entire country and these barriers being broken down, there are a lot a lot of really good examples of how this is working and doing exactly what we have been arguing for years, that it opens up workforce mobility. It helps fill the skilled worker shortage that we have going on. It helps people get back to work, plug into our economy. And as we restart our economy here, my guess in the next couple of weeks, uh, hopefully, we're going to need all of these things. We're going to need all of the tools we can possibly have at our disposal and license recognition and, and occupational licensing reform are going to be key to helping people get back into the workforce as quickly as possible. Mike, what do you think? I would say that COVID-19 has made a lot of the barriers to entry more visible, but they were always present even before the pandemic. Um, and that applies to not only healthcare professions for nurses and doctors, but also for ex-offenders, people that are having trouble paying their student loan debt or just entry-level work. So it's important to, you know, analyze what we can do to respond to COVID-19 in the midst of this pandemic, but we should also reflect and see uh, what are the other barriers that occupational licenses are setting up and how, how should we deal with those. And um, there's a lot of best practices already out there and created, and, and that's something people should reflect on and, and look at. Well, you've been listening to another episode of ALEC Across the States discussing occupational licensing reform in light of COVID-19. I've been sitting down with Shoshana Weissman, Digital Media Manager at R Street Institute. Shoshana, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me. Of course. And also from Missouri, beaming straight in, we have Representative Derek Greyer. Thank you so much for giving us your on-the-ground perspective here when it comes to occupational licensing. Oh, it's been a lot of fun, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. And as always, Michael Slabinski from the Commerce, Insurance, and Economic Development Task Force, ALEC Director here. Mike, thanks so much for organizing this whole uh, conversation and letting me put it on our podcast. I, I uh, really appreciated it. Thank you, Dan. Of course. And if you're interested in having your idea featured on ALEC Across the States, do not hesitate to email me at acrossthestates at alec.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. 
To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.